and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Well, all right, uh, we're we're back to do a little uh, sort of season wrap-up show, I guess. Uh, we got a few news items to hit, and then it's our... Um, is this the is this the fifth annual Roosties? I did some Googling on my own website. It is the fifth. <laughs> the fifth. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't need anything. I already teach teenagers. I don't need anything else in my life that makes me feel older. So that's a... Uh, that's a yeah. lot of Roosties. And it is. While, while we're at it, let's see. This is... We have made it through... Podcast number one. This is 170. Good Lord. Five Roosties, 170 episodes. Yeah, man. We're going to hit 200 next season, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. This, right? We'll see. We, are we doing to start taking special requests? What should we do on the 200th episode? Let us yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, we ought to. We we need to map that out. We can't have like a a mid season game against like Charlotte be be the the two hundredth episode. Well, it's absolutely going to happen that way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be and it's going to be like a crushing loss or something, and we're going to come yeah. on here like we hey. might pre record. We'll pre record two hundred, and then we'll just drop it on like the middle middle of the week. We'll figure it out. We got time. We got 30 more episodes. Yeah. We got, oh man. And I will say that right before we started, this is a, I guess this is probably only like a, what, a 10 or a 15 episode change. But for this season, our, our home field sponsorship, I'm, I'm repping my Love You Blue Rice Owls home field shirt. I have other home field things, but this is honestly just one of my favorite home field shirts. I don't know if it's, they all. It's so good. It's an excellent one. I don't know if they all they all they all fit a li- maybe a little bit different. Am I imagining that? I don't know. I feel like this one's just it's nice. Uh, so, yeah, I wonder if the the fit has changed like a little bit since their earliest days because I definitely that might be it. Maybe that's what it is because I feel like this one's a little bit lighter fitting than my some of my older ones. But either way, if you haven't got your Christmas shopping in. I I saw this week. Actually, I was reading the note before we got on. They got a bunch of specials coming this next week in the the lead up to Christmas. I'm sure there's something very creatively and Christmas themed, but you can get a I think they're doing a mystery shirt and maybe a mystery hoodie or things like that. So if you haven't bitten the bullet, I don't know if I'm brave enough yet, but I think I might just order it. <laughs> and I think you I think it's like you buy one, get one or something like that. There's a there's a discount for the mystery. But uh, yeah, use the code ROOST, you get 15% off your first order, and then keep an eye out, go get the Homefield app, and they'll have they'll send you a push notification for everything they're doing today. I think they have new hats. They got a lot of stuff coming. So go get your Homefield needs for the holidays and for send them to your favorite podcasters or family or both. I think that's, uh, I had, I was feeling my comfy shirt realized that needs to be on our list of many things what's the next <laughs> thing we have a we, this might be a longer longer show but that's okay what's the next thing that we need to hit on uh we know where rice is going in a couple weeks 
Yeah, Serve Pro First Responders Bowl at SMU's stadium. Not against SMU. <laughs> but that's December 26th. I believe it's 4.30 p.m. Central on ESPN proper. And it's against Texas State, which is kind of fun. Yeah, the, uh, a like relatively cro- close by program that has Rice ever played? They, so I went and looked this up. There have been four meetings all time with Texas State. And okay. we'll have we'll get to a bowl preview, I'm sure, at some point. But I think the first the last one happened in like 1987. I think I had that in front of me, something like that. And some of the other ones were in like the 30s. So 1920, this- 1923, 1986, and 1987. Yeah. Okay, wow. there you go. So the 20s. I was off by a decade. So yeah, they have played four times. These are the biggest air quotes that you've ever seen. But uh, Rice won the last one, 38-28. But was was Texas State still F- – when did F- they come up from FCS? I, that, it was I fairly I, recent, I think, Yeah, right? so Texas State was probably still FCS at, at 1987 when Rice and them last played. But this is – I do know this. This is Texas State's first ever bowl game. So oh, good they, for them. They, they jumped in the river in San Marcos in, like, mid-November – when they clinched to six wins <laughs> to, to clinch bowl eligibility, which that's I just think fun. Is, yeah, I think it's freaking awesome. Like that's that, that's a tradition they do for like graduation and such. Right. Yeah. Over there. But yeah, so they did that clinching a bowl game. GJ Kenny jumped in their head coach, which I was like, I'm just I'm in, man. I don't I don't need extra reasons to be fans of former Texas high school football coaches. But yeah, so I think that's fun. I'm pretty pumped that it's against a team that. I just have some vague interest in following and paying attention to like, not that I wouldn't have gotten up for playing, you know, like Western Michigan or I don't know, insert Mac team, but or low tier power. Like nobody's getting up to say that we get to go play Purdue. Um, I'm thinking through yeah. other teams that Rice has played in <laughs> bowl and non bowl recent memory, but yeah, so I think this is fun. Yeah, and it's close enough that uh, a decent amount of Rice fans will presumably actually be able to go. Um, I will be in Alabama at the time for Christmas. So, um, but hey, you know, if you can't make it, you're gonna. Uh, uh, it's Boxing Day, so like, what? A, you know, you're not up to anything that day. Like, you just chill out, you know. Yes, this is the perfect goal for going and not going. Because going, you exactly, can drive up yeah. after Christmas, but not going, you're not doing anything on the 26th, anyways. So if you just want to lay on the couch and watch TV, you now have our 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 professional or unprofessional, semi-professional recommendation to do so. However you want to take that. So we got a couple weeks. We'll have some practice notes and stuff up on the site. Uh, one of those things, I guess, here, natural segue that we got to talk about is who is practicing in those practices because JT Daniels is not. And this it has to get chalked up to like I would say the most major bummer in recent Rice quarterback history, but like we've had a lot of those. But yeah, this still might be the top. So Pete Thamel broke the news on last Thursday or Friday, I believe. I'm everything's running together that uh, JT Daniels has officially medically retired from football after suffering that concussion against SMU. So 
that sucks. Yeah. Official statement <laughs> from the Roost and podcast. Like, at this point, you know, it, the only uh, he would have had at most one game left to play for Rice. Uh, you know, it is it is what it is in terms of the things on the field, but you just, it stinks to see that happen. And, I don't know, I guess, I guess I've had, like, the, the stories that have come out have been that he's uh, always wanted to get into coaching, so he's he's just moving into that a little quicker than he's expected, so I'm happy for him that he has something to, uh, an immediate sort of pivot plan here, but, yeah, it just stinks when guys have to give up the game and earlier like, than they should because of. I'm just going to always think back at this now because it's the what could have been factor, right? So JT comes out against Texas and Texas is a playoff team. I don't know if y'all, y'all heard that. They ended up being pretty good. So he gets a healthy game against Texas. That doesn't work out. Uh, leads Rice to a win in the Bayou Bucket against Houston. Uh, helps get I guess plays a half or a little bit more against Texas Southern so two and one as a starter and then goes down against South Florida but throws for 432 yards before he gets hurt and so he plays the rest of the season that he plays on a bum ankle that a bunch of guys do not play the next weekend let alone play every week for the next like five weeks so we get 50 percent JT Daniels for the remainder of the season and they lose by Tulane, or lose by two to Tulane. They lose by five to SMU, which wins the AAC. And then he doesn't play against UTSA. This is one of those seasons that it's not one of those like you know like well yeah if if JT Daniels is healthy, fully healthy, he plays the whole year. I'm not saying that Rice goes nine and three, but I'm not like now I have this doubt in my head that like if we're saying this guy was probably the most talented quarterback that's ever played for this university. Like, man, the what could have been factor. I will always, like, we had the Mike Collins regret, right? After he played yeah. three games in 2020. We have now upped the ante on the Mike Collins regret to, man, what if JT Daniels? Yeah, it's, it, it takes a lot of the sting about, sting out of it that they, uh, that they made a bowl anyway, and that it, that, they managed to sort of get the last few wins for that for uh, without him. And, and so they, you know, it wasn't a, Oh, the season went totally in the tank because he was hurt and you know, what could have been if he hadn't, but it still, it still stinks. You think about that all in all, this becomes a successful season. And what could it have been if, if he had just been healthy the whole time? I mean, and if, and if he's not healthy, Rice isn't bowling. Oh, yeah, no. Like, this coaching staff might not be here. Yeah. Like, like, JT Daniels, like, it didn't end, end like everyone wanted it to. But, man, like, this program needed JT Daniels, even if it was just for a handful of weeks. Yeah, no, so. it's it's still uh, a series of very incredible moments that were were pivotal for this team and, and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think we're going to have to institute institute like a JT Daniels. He's not dead, but JT Daniels memorial segment of the podcast. <laughs> Every time a Rice quarterback makes an incredible play, it's the JT Daniels Memorial Weekly Rice football quarterback play of the week. We'll workshop it. We got time. But speaking of incredible plays, 
I don't have we we still don't have a drum roll a drum roll segment in here, <laughs> but imagine the drum roll in your back of what do you say the fifth annual Roosties. Yeah, uh, and I, I guess that's the good transition to kick it off with our first one, which is favorite play. You want to take the lead on this one? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I was thinking through, and I said, what I ended up deciding was, I went back and forth between like significance of the play or just general funness, and I went with the Luke McCaffrey touchdown against Houston in which the helmet came off and we have the arms extended celebratory shout that ended up getting him pop tarts national player of the week which i don't know if i've i don't know if i've told this story a, a truly on, excellent award yeah but and even better they delivered like taste like a whole palette of pop tarts ah. to oh that's yeah, spectacular I don't know if I share this, but to to the Patterson Center and McCaffrey, because he's just a swell guy, he put one box in every single player's locker. So he wins the Pop Tarts Play of the Play of the of the Week award and gives gives all of his teammates Pop Tarts. And then there's still some left over. But also a smart way to because uh, what else? What else are you going to do with that many pop tarts? So that's a economical use of resources, I guess. I yeah. would say. I think the strength and conditioning staff would have been, and the nutrition staff would have been like, "This is great, but like, please only eat like two. Like, <laughs> yes, you're not allowed to have. <laughs> you're not allowed to have 47 boxes of pop tarts this week. We had gummy bear, uh, gummy worm guy. We did not have pop tarts, man, and that was probably on purpose, is what I'm going to guess. But yeah, so that's significance because if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I think that put Rice up 21 to nothing at the time. Yeah. And we've had a lot of games and a lot of moments over the years where we're like, okay, okay. But when Rice went up 21 to nothing over Houston and nothing felt fluky about it, and JT was dealing and the defense was playing really well, that was the kind of the first moment where I had the inkling of like, oh, this could be different. Yeah. Like that was the moment for me. Yeah, so I actually ended up picking the same play for basically the same reasons. It felt like sort of a cop-out, though, because I was like, it felt like he had at least one one-handed or helmet-popping-off catch for a touchdown per week. Well, he had three uh, helmet helmetless touchdowns this season. I think it was the official <laughs> count. Um, ridiculous. If you want to go with pure aesthetics, uh, I think you could go for the Ross and McNeil-like behind the back, hug the DB uh, catch on the two-point conversion, uh, because just, wow, what on earth? How did he do that? Um, but yeah, I'm not sure I have a, a play other than that one. Maybe um, uh, kneeling it out to, to end the season and, get, a, and uh, get to a bowl, but... Yeah, the only other one that I've really considered was the double overtime final play against UH, where you yeah. had the, pa the pass breakup. Shout out JoJo Gene. Just the, and, and just the fact that it was JoJo Gene and none of us at the moment like had any idea that this guy who was, I don't even know if he was on the two deep to start the season. He might not have been. 
but he was definitely not a first teamer would become basically a key cog in the in the right secondary. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be my honorable mention. But yeah, the kneel out to go to bowl, that that was I got some goosebumps there. That was pretty cool. All right, next up is player you were most wrong about. Biggest surprise. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? Ah, this was a tough one. Um, I think I ultimately had to go with Treshawn Devones here. Just... Uh, just because I did not expect this, like, and and sure, plenty of that has to do with with Jordan being away from the team, um, and and that just sort of turning out like it was. But if you if you ask me, you know, a guy that just I didn't really expect to make a constant week in week out snap in snap out impact that had one. Uh, He's up there. Yeah, certainly just a guy that we were just like, is he going to get on the field? And then I'm looking here, pulling, doing some work on the five, uh, on the fly. Trayshawn Devones finished fifth in the American and passes defended. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Pretty good. <laughs> a guy we didn't think was going to be on the field. Fifth in the American. Not Not yeah. too shabby. Not too shabby. Definitely not. And like, oh man, he's not so got so happy for him. A guy that just like was has been injured and, and banged up and hasn't been able to be on the field. So and I think yeah. nothing was nothing was clearer than the game that he had against it was at Charlotte, where he didn't practice all week leading up to the game and wasn't the plan was hopefully not to have to play him. And then you have Lamont Narcisse go down on the first or the second series of the game. And so he has to go in and play basically the entire game after not practicing and not being anywhere close to 100% and has the game ceiling interception. I was just like, this, this dude's not a real human being. That's the answer. And I think it's probably fitting. I, I, my biggest surprise guy I was most wrong about was Sean Fresh. And for me, I don't even think it was close because I remember. Yeah, I, I remember the Louisiana Tech game last year where Louisiana Tech's entire game plan was let's throw it at the short corner. And it worked <laughs> like that, that was that was the plan. If you go back and watch that game, yep. it was just every single play and the play that they threw in overtime that they that they uh, the reason that. Louisiana Tech lost and, and Rice won. They threw it out the back of the end zone. They overthrew it. It was not, it was just a bad pass. Like, I don't know if Sean really ended up stuffing them at any point in that game. It was not one of his better games. And to go from that to who he was this year, one of the best run stopping corners in the conference and incredible cover corner. And I don't know who to give credit to. I'll give credit to him, I'll give credit to Coach Modkins. The, the corners coach, and I don't know what happened with this man, but he went from being just not not a not a top tier piece of this defense to being like I'm going to have to go through and put together superlatives for defensive player of the year, and his name is on my list that I'm considering right now, which I was I'm floored and man, so yeah, you talk 
we're talking about two corners being the biggest surprise. You want to talk about why Rice's defense was anything this year? Yep. It it's got to start with both of them. All right, most improved unit. Um, again, feels like a cop out answer, but it's. Is there another choice besides quarterback? Like, I think that's one you have to go to. Obviously, there are. I mean, we just spent five minutes talking about how great the corners were. Uh, I think that's that's a viable option, but I'm not sure you can say anything besides quarterback realistically here. Yeah, I I kind of thought through this one and yeah, like the quarterback play was <laughs> was was incredible. And but the only thing that got me paused is because we we got uh, maybe less of less of JT than than we were thinking. And the quarterback play, like I, I was slowing out Texas and Texas Southern in the end of the season. And so I was like, we got we didn't get elite, elite all the time quarterback play. Yeah. But I don't know if we got it from any of that other positions either. So I, I would say, yeah, quarterbacks, the slam dunk. The two other two I considered were corners because I thought we, when we talked about yeah. them and then I considered running backs too, because. Yeah. Not even just Dean, like Dean Connors was phenomenal. And I'm sure we'll get to him at some point in the rest of our roosties. But just the fact that we, and maybe that's the progression thing because the first half of the season, the running backs were not, and the running game did not work. But the fact that it it worked at the end of the year when they needed it and they didn't yeah, have the quarterback got, play to back it up. It got so much better over the second half of the year. So maybe that's it. Totality from year to year, the quarterback improvement was the best. From game one to game 12, I'd say yeah. probably running backs. So yeah. Maybe I in, have to specify. In-season in <laughs> improvement versus year-over-year year improvement. That's true. But yeah, I think my my heart behind that was uh, year over year. And so I'll, I'll official answer quarterbacks. But let's see, right. play or game that you most want to redo. This was hard because Wrights played the top two teams in the American within a single possession back to back weeks. Yeah, so you can have either of those. But I circled and I ended up putting down the South Florida game because yeah. I want to live in the twilight zone where JT Daniels doesn't get hurt. And I like That's who knows if he if he gets hurt again in week six and like this is all a moot point. But if, if his ankle is healthy and he doesn't have that injury, how does that change butterfly effect? How does that change the rest of the season? Like if yeah, Bryce can hang off one of those upsets. Yeah. Like that's because I, I think about the UConn loss, and I think a part of that was the fact that JT he said after the game he's like I had to spend the first half learning how to how to throw off one foot, which is not yep. how you're supposed to play quarterback. Like no, nope, no, nope, not how that's supposed to work. How you're supposed to play quarterback. So yeah, I I want to redo on, on the USF game, and then if I, if I only get one play. I, I want a I want a redo of the Chase Jenkins interception on that last offensive play against SMU because I don't know if he leads them down and scores, but man, I I wanted a mulligan because I wanted to see him get a shot. Yeah, those like the two moments I kind of had it narrowed down to were either just the UConn game generally or that drive against SMU because getting to pull that one off would have been and and for some reason that one felt like 
I mean, for obvious reasons, just the game state. In fact, they had it with a chance to go down and win. Like that one felt like the more gettable of the two between that and Tulane. Um, but yeah, if we're if we're allowed to consider sort of a uh, what sort of what like cascade effect could that have had on the rest of the season, then uh, if we can redo USF and specify JT does not <laughs> get hurt, then I will take that one all day, every day. Actually, shoot, even if we get a caveat specify, just re-roll that game. It was how many I think the the leading receiver in South Florida in that game ended up going for oh what what was the final tally? I'm pulling it up. It was two hundred two hundred and forty yards or something. It was the yep. second most ever in the history two seventy-two. Michael Simmons. Yeah, it was the second most ever by an American conference uh, wide receiver in that game. So uh, yeah, I just that one, I'm like, the, the, the UConn one, I look back and like, you just had weird, weird turnover stuff and it happened. But the South Florida was like, man, again, man, like, I don't know. So we'll yeah, see. Even, That's, if, if you go back and play that game again, even they play bad on defense, like 272 yards for a receiver is probably not going to happen again. Yeah, we've covered it. We had the, the Frank Gore. A three million yard bowl performance and we've had the, Lord, the Simmons yeah. receiving performance. We're we're good. We've covered it. <laughs> now we're I've had enough the, records, thank you. Yeah. Unless you want to set some other words. So yeah, redo. I'll do I'll do USF. That would be my redo. And yeah. I'm just I'm selfishly I just want more of JT Daniels. That's all I Same. want. Uh <laughs> speaking of player you'll miss the most. Um do we have a caveat on how many times we can give him the award? Maybe not, yeah. because I don't think we can underestimate, understate how important this man has been and will be for Rice football. I guess you can. <laughs> we maybe should have redone these categories because there's because uh, you could say him. You could say Luke McCaffrey, I think, is a fair choice here also. Um, yeah, those would clearly be the top two. Like I think it was both of them. They just had at least a player to a game where you're just like you. It doesn't make sense. Like yeah, certain disaster. And it, I, I will never forget. I was sitting down with Jovan Jovani Johnson before the season, and I said, "What's it like working with JT?" And he said, "He's Houdini, man. He just makes makes stuff happen out of nowhere." And that's the perfect explanation for who JT Daniels was to this team and who Luke McCaffrey was. You're just like, wait, how did you how did you make that? Like the fact that like they just bailed you out. That's that's what I will miss. We will need new players to just bail Rice out. Yeah, there was one play that I always I was trying to think of. I couldn't I can't remember it specifically enough to do as my favorite play. I was trying to think of this one as as like an alternate choice. Um, But I it may have been the Tulsa game. Where um, JT had a throw to Luke, I think it was Luke, like down the sideline. I don't even remember if he scored on the play. He just, it was a like back shoulder down the sideline throw. And it just Ooh, sort of like. we talked about this one. Yeah. It just sort of like, Tulsa. It just sort of like lasered into Luke's hands. It's like he didn't even really turn his body. He just sort of, and podcasting is a visual medium, but he just sort of like stuck <laughs> He just sort of like barely he like lifted his arms to like his face level and held them slightly above his back shoulder. And that the ball just sort of like materialized in his hands. It was it was just like 
the the old like frozen rope oh. cliche. It just like it the, appeared it the there. Land, I think it was the Landon Ransom touchdown against Tulsa. I think that's the one. Yes. Yeah. Just like, I thought it was Luke, and then when I was talking about it, suddenly I became more certain it was against Tulsa and less certain that it was Luke that caught the ball. <laughs> but yeah, that throw, I was just like, what? Which JT throw? That makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah, okay, next that was up, self-explanatory. Yeah, next up, out of nowhere star. This was easy for me. I don't know if you had to think much further, but uh, I I went hands down with Coleman Coco. Ah, yeah, that's a good thought. I didn't, I had not, I had sort of thought Trey Shonda Bones with this one. Um, but yeah, Coco is a good one. I, I wasn't, uh, he had not occurred as an out of nowhere choice. But yeah, just him, him popping up early in the season with the defensive line was just looking really, really good, especially against Texas. It was just like a, you know, because you get an, an FCS transfer coming up, and sometimes those are guys that make a big impact, and sometimes those are guys you don't really even think about a little later on. But he just like right from day one, uh, watching the defensive line, Harry Quinn Ewers all day against Texas, that was like, a, oh, this guy's, this guy's got the juice. Yeah, like, and it's just, it's so we take them for granted once they've hit, and once they're like ball, like. It's like, oh, Blaze Aldridge, like, is amazing. Like, just every Juco guy becomes Brad Rosner. Like, it's, right. it's just, what, but it's not. Like, the hit rate on these guys making this jump up is so, like, not great. <laughs> and for us to be doc- talking about, like, the defensive line lost three grad players last year and yeah. was better, like, yeah. it, at least on par, but I would say probably better. I, I have, Yeah, I think pretty definitively better. Especially like just the fact that and the way like his his swagger and how he carried himself, he was just fun, man. Like I enjoyed watching Coleman Coco play football. And I like Rice brought in him and Jordan Campbell as you know transfers in this recruiting class. And Jordan Campbell, by the like second half of the season, had kind of found a role as a situational like pass rusher and mm-hmm. like a third and long kind of guy. And he kind of had a role and like, that's normal for these kind of players. Like that's kind of not the best case scenario, but like, that's kind of like, if we can get a guy who fills that specific role, we feel good. We did a good, this is a good hit. So for Coleman to become Coleman. Yeah. Slam dunk for me. I think Trayshawn Devones. Yeah. We've seen him be a pinch hit starter, but to be a full year starter, like we said, a completely unexpected. And we've had, man, we're going to, we have a lot of guys that just, how do you have a season that's the best season that you've had in, what, seven, eight years? You have to have a lot of guys do stuff like this. Yeah. Most valuable transfer is an interesting one for this year. Um, we've kind of talked about, I feel like, the two most obvious candidates for guys who transferred in. That, Like, uh, like obviously, it's JT by any objective standard. So I guess the the quest here is can you can you finagle an argument for anyone else? Uh, I don't know, man. I think that we don't talk about the O line very much, but and I don't even know how I would pick, but I think Lavelle Dumont and Brent Banks that combo on the yeah. offensive line. I mean, the O line was a like. 
go back. I don't listen to the last couple of roosties. That might be a good experiment to see how often we talked about the O line being a positive. It it it's been fine. Like like yeah. the the year they had uh, Goose and uh, a couple of those grad guys that came in was the best year basically they've had on the line, and this probably was probably second. Like. With those two, yeah, so yeah, which they, is wild after the first couple of weeks when it just like they could not get any push in the run game at all, and then just the way it improved over the back half of the season was really really impressive too. Like, like, yeah, by by the end, possibly one of the like either the best or second best offensive line of this the tenure of this coaching staff, which is kind of wild. So. Yeah, I think you can make a case for either of those guys. If you're taking, uh, hmm, I guess if you could take a more expansive view and open this to guys who were not uh, new to the team this year, uh, we haven't we haven't had a Dean Connors mentioned yet. Uh, but maybe I guess he I, counts. Yeah, that's true. He is a, yeah. a transfer addition, and he he was a he was a bit player last year. Like he. I don't. Yeah. I'm trying. I have to go look. He did not have. He did not have a game. Like we were waiting for the Dean Connors breakout, but yeah, man, like to have to have the second option when all the defense was like, we're just going to sit and make sure Luke McCaffrey doesn't beat us. To have somebody else that could beat beat teams. Yeah, who could like yeah. take over the game as a skill player? That was that was big. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I'll, man, a lot of. A lot of hits on these transfer players. Not all hits. Like I, we have not mentioned Matt Sykes of his. Yeah. Four catches this year, maybe I'd have to go look, but that did not pan out. But you know, they don't all pan out. That's life. But yeah, most valuable transfer, JT Daniels, and four or five honorable mentions, I guess. Yeah, basically. Let's see. Uh, most head scratching moment. The Yukon game? <laughs> uh, yeah, just the whole, the whole, just like wave your hand generally at that whole thing. It's not a fun time. Um, I guess you could say like the first half against FAU felt like that because it was just like, how has Rice completely dominated this game thus far? And it's 10 to 7 at the half. Yeah, it, it, even then, and maybe it was irrational optimism, but like I'd watched that game and I'm like, yeah, I just felt like the difference between the quality of those teams in that moment was so big that Rice still had margin to play with. Yeah. Like they went into halftime and I'm like, I know. It's I think it was a field goal game at that point. Like, I know this yeah. is a close game, but it is not like these are not these teams are not in the same universe. So I still felt really good about winning that one. But, yeah, that was kind of, that was one of the, the moments of the season where you're like, OK, you've shown your hand. We know how good you are. Like it, it yeah. turns her out and you are not doing it right now. Like, no, if it, so, if it like if it had been any other year in, in recent memory if they had played like that in the first half, I wouldn't have had the confidence that they were going to repeat that level in the second half. And so I would have been way more nervous about them controlling the game from that point forward. And yeah, things got scratchy at times in the second half, but no, I, I feel the same that I was like, 
it it was a weird half. I like it wasn't the I still I still generally had had faith that they were going to win that game after the way it went. It was just yeah. a, a strange sequence of events. I when I, I went ahead and and dug out my my moment was in the Yukon game. I, I believe right this was when Rice was trailing seven nothing and you had JT Daniels fumble the ball in the pocket, gets picked up and returned back for a touchdown. They go down 14 and nothing. That play was when they went down seven nothing, and like, okay, weird. It happens. Like they gave up the opening touchdown against FAU. Like bounce back fine. Yeah. But 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 with that, that was kind of where because like JT had done so many Houdinis where he just gets out of it like Oh, what? And like, so the fact that like he just like did not see the rush and got hit and the ball came out, that was kind of like, oh, we're we're not okay. <laughs> like, it was like he is clearly not JT right now and not JT in that moment. I have all of the horror stories of the Rice offense of the year past where things weren't working out. Right. I was like, this this could not go well, and it did not go well. But yeah, that was the moment where I was just like, oh. I really had to, oh, here we go again. That might have been the only point in the season where, honestly, I had that feeling. Like, right. And, and they had. Well, like, after that game, even was the definitely, Houston game. Right. They gave up 35 unanswered points against Houston. And yeah. I never really felt like I never quite had that sinking feeling. I don't know. Yeah, no, it it was definitely like after that game for sure was definitely sort of the lowest point of optimism during the season because it, it was definitely the one where it most could have broke bad after that and turned into a, uh, you know, things just spiraling downhill, but it didn't. Uh, most dominant game. Uh, I don't think there's really another choice here besides Tulsa. Um, Ooh, that was just... I have a different choice. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. What it, what it was 42 to 10 and they just sort of, uh, it was just sort of a comprehensive butt whooping, like up and down the field consistently in and out. Uh, it was just fun to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that game was 21 to 10 at halftime, and it didn't really feel like you felt pretty good. You felt like Rice was going to win that game, but it was 14 to 10. And then they had that last drive in the final minute to go ahead by more than a score. And so you felt good, but it didn't really feel like just a complete butt kicking. The Charlotte game felt like a complete butt kicking. Yeah. Like well, the way the defense the start, played in that one, for sure. Like you were like, once they went up 10, nothing, you're like, I, I think that's game. Like, I don't think Charlotte's going to score twice. And they didn't <laughs> like, they yep. barely scored at all. So yeah, that was the one where, and, and it was just also like, I don't know my preconceived like I'm not gonna be right about everything but like Biff Pogey made all this stink about you picked us last and I was one of the media members who picked him to finish and well his team to finish last because I'm like I don't get it man like it doesn't look good so it kind of felt also satisfying to be like yeah <laughs> I was right and Charlotte did not finish last but man that that was not a good team and Bryce was nope. a good team I think so yeah so those two uh, those, yeah, two contenders. I, I guess Texas Southern also counts if you want to throw it in there. But the fact that we have, mo when's the last season, Carter, 
that that we had right. more than one option. I think this was put in a couple years back when Rice, you know, like pounded McNeese 42 to 10 or something like that. Like the <laughs> fact that we can be talking about this with FBS teams. Yeah, that, multiple con multiple conference games that are choices here. Like that's that's fun. The Tulsa game, I was yeah. looking back, the Tulsa game was like the second conference game or the first conference game that Rice had won by more than a touchdown since Southern Miss in 2020. So like they're just Rice hasn't had any beat down conference wins, like period, in the last two years. So to get a couple of them was was fun, man. It was it was it was it was pretty nice. All right. And then, yeah, we have player you're most looking forward to next year. JT Daniels, not an option for this yep. category. Would not have been an option even even without a medical retirement. Uh, that's a good one. I'm. I think Dean Connors probably deserves a mention here. Uh, he was the first name I wrote down. Yeah. I'm going to go with DJ Arkansas. Oh. Because he just like, and, and this is more of a like, because Dean, you kind of know what you have. Like it's, it's, you look forward to him being a focal point of the offense uh, next year, but it won't sort of be anything new, I guess, after the, the dominant games he was able to have this year. Um, I think we're looking at in that linebacking group between DJ and Ty Morris, like a group that could just be electric next year as long as they're healthy. Like those guys just have speed to burn between the two of them. And even just watching the plays they made over the back half of the season, like that's a that that's gonna be a fun group. Yeah, I'm the the, the sack they combined for in the FAU game, and I even tweeted out like we are going to be seeing a lot more of, of that tandem. And then I don't, I'm trying to remember, I know this, I, I said this to a couple folks around the program and I know, I think we talked about, it. I don't remember if it's on mic or off mic, but I said before the season that DJ Arkansas would be starting over Chris Conte by the time we got to the end of the year. And that did take an injury. I will acknowledge that like Chris Conte got hurt in, in practice. So is that before the SMU game, maybe something like that? Um, midseason and ended up losing his job to injury and you know obviously was Chris all the best in his recovery but yeah like when when it was time for DJ to go and he's just stepped in and had had two late hit penalties that you know I guess he was just adjusting to the speed of the college game but man every other time he was on the field and I think we talked about this that made kind of looked like the other six that used to run around for the Owls, Mr. Blaze Aldrich. Yep. So I didn't even, I don't even know if I associate six as a linebacker number. Probably don't. I don't even. Not really. Yeah. But, and then I didn't Blaze go to zero or eight. I'm trying to remember. It's, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what team numbers. I thought he started team. as like, didn't he start with something in like the fifties and then move to six? I, I think that that's up? right. I think that's correct. Maybe that. Yeah, he went down to six. There you go. Jersey trivia. We'll have that in there. So yeah, DJ Arkansas. Man, that's. Just go ahead and pencil that linebacker 
one next year. Put that one yeah. in there. I'm Keep in there. Keep an eye on those I, guys. I went with – yeah, Dean was the first one I wrote down. But, again, I'm just going to like that just like I was looking forward to Luke McCaffrey. I'm just like, I like touchdowns. <laughs> yep. Sort of like nope. Touchdowns. But the other guy, and if I'm going to put a nugget here so we don't know, the transfer portal opens up this week. We'll see what happens as of you know time of recording. Uh, Rice looking all right on that front. But Rice will be shopping and is already shopping in those waters. And I'm guessing they're going to probably bring in a couple grad pieces and a couple transfer pieces as they do. But I think right now, if you had just said, Matthew, who is going to lead Rice in receiving yards in 2024? If I had to pick right now, I think it's Ross and McNeil. So I, okay. maybe that's maybe that's my way too early prediction, and we'll see how the room shakes out. But you, you talked about that catch he had against Charlotte. I think he has it in him to be the guy. And I don't know if he becomes the guy or if they find a couple other guys and they can kind of piece it together. But yeah, I am most excited to see what Ross and McNeil becomes in, in 2024, because I he's got it in there. Just has to be more consistent and I got to get him the football. Yeah. He, and uh, I, I like that they're uh, kind of multiple potential guys that you could have a serious, uh, Serious move at wide receiver next year uh, between him and Landon, who, uh, you know, we got a lot of buzz in the offseason and then kind of started slower than we expected and never really was like a huge piece, but had a couple of big, big catches. And um, between the two of them, you know, Maybe one or the other is the number one option and the other is the number two. But like that's a that's a good that's a good foundation to be going to the next season with, I feel like. Yeah. Covered, not bare. Wanna keep adding some pieces, but I, I'm I'm okay with where we're at. Yep. And we have all off season to to speculate and peruse and make our wish lists of I thought you were going to say all off season to get excited about the rice wide receivers again, and then watch them all get <laughs> hurt or transfer or retire or whatever during the off season as usual. Hey, this, this might actually have been, I guess we do had, did have the Rosner transfer, which by the way, I think Ross and McNeil outproduced uh, Bradley Rosner this year. Yep. I, I, I hadn't checked since week seven or eight, but I think, I think Ross had like one touchdown catch with NC state and Austin had a couple and that that big two point play. So, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, I think for the most part, they they was just the surprise transfer, which I don't even I I need to familiarize myself with with them when all the portal windows are open. And if that is even an option next year, I don't know. Can anybody transfer in mid-July or have they have they shortened it? I need to go look. I think that might have been one of the changes. We'll see. But yes, we yep. will have another offseason to get excited about the wide, rice wide receiver core and I don't know, the secondary and everybody that we always get pumped about. We'll see a quarterback. Interesting that this is a longer conversation we get to, but interesting that neither of us brought up any of the quarterbacks and that discussion. Yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting one. Like, I feel like they have, you know, those rooms are more in flux than any other at this time of year. And uh, we'll see where things go. Um, it feels like they have two solid options that you'd hope to uh, 
no, you at least hope both of those guys are here through the spring that you can have a real competition because they both got a lot and have shown a lot of potential. And you know, I feel reasonably confident in Rice's ability to 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 move forward with one of those guys next season. But yeah, uh, it's uh, we're way too far out to be making any kind of of. Yeah, but uh, half the starting quarterbacks in FBS are in the transfer portal right now. So like, yep, and <laughs> I don't and think 70, anybody's allowed. And some of them as lacrosse, some of them as lacrosse players. Yeah, that's bizarre. Alabama's backup quarterback going to lacrosse because that's what we all. I mean, hey, after, after, after watching him, after watching him put like eight passes in the dirt again the first half against South Florida, I'm not surprised. But. Uh, Hey, I will say Rice had Isaac Klarkowski transferred. Oh, man. He went to uh, Wisconsin to wrestle. Yeah, for wrestling. So yeah, have, that's right. We, we have, have precedent a, for this. Across sport. I have not checked on Isaac Klarkowski's Wisconsin wrestling statistics. Maybe that'll be what we do after this. But yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. It's the beginning of the offseason. We'll have we'll have uh, what signing day stuff. And I guess that is still happening in December. This is me shaking my fist against the cloud. Please yep. make that go away. I don't please. That we'll have a bowl game to talk about. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll go from there. But it's. But thank you for sticking through 170 episodes. <laughs> or if you if you haven't that for all the ones that you have, we appreciate it. Yeah, and we're. Uh... We're excited to, I guess, uh, officially start the March 200 at this point. So, um, uh, glad we uh, glad we got to this point on a on a finally a six win season. So, uh, again, yeah, happy y'all stuck with us. We'll uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk talk bowl game, talk signing day. So, we'll see y'all soon. Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.